Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cool, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and again, it's a joy to welcome all of you here. We're going to continue, once again, our series on, the, on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, calling it Finding Our Place, because that's what Paul helps us do in this letter. He helps us kind of remember who we are in Jesus Christ, and in the midst of a world that can be challenging and difficult in which to live, uh, we, we find our place in Jesus Christ. Now, the section that we're going to look at this morning is in a section of, of where Paul is calling us to holiness, all right? He's calling us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. He's already told us, and we need to remember this in chapter th- 1 to 3 of all that God has done for us. That while we were dead in our sins, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die and rise again so that we could be made alive. And that God brought us into into his family and and God gives us new life. And so Paul said, this is all that God has done for you. Now live it out, all right? Now become more and more like Jesus Christ. And a couple of weeks ago, we said that at the, at the center of this section of this call to holiness, of how you and I grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ, is this kind of two actions of, of taking off, on the one hand, of fighting against our old nature, that sinful nature, that, that nature that, that, that gets things wrong, that, that, that's selfish and prideful and angry and all these things. We take off that nature and we put on the new, all right? And, and uh, two weeks ago, Daniel gave us a, a great image of that, of, of thinking about remodeling a house and how uh, you can't just start by painting, just covering things up, but you, you got to scrape the old off. You've you got to do the hard work of fighting against the old, and, and that's really for us fighting against sin, fighting against the brokenness and, and, and the stuff inside of us that doesn't want to do uh, what God wants us to do. So we take that off, and then we put on. And, and that really kind of defines what Paul does through this whole section of, of taking off the old and, and putting on the new, because what he does then is, is he starts to apply this in some different areas, all right? We said that there were four of them. Last week we dealt with three of them. We talked about, Paul says, you know, take off lying. All right, we have this kind of default position that when we get into a tough position, we, we lie. We just, we just abandon the truth. And he says, take that off and, and, and start speaking the truth because you need community. And he says, stop stealing. Don't take what isn't yours. Don't take what you haven't earned. Instead, work hard so that you can share with others. And, and then we talked about trash talking, right? Unwholesome talk about damaging others with our words and, and about learning rather to build each other up. There are four of them there. These were the three we dealt with last week. And, and as Daniel said in his prayer, this week we're going to take a look at one that Paul actually mentions twice. Um, I think it's a really important one. And for many of us, I think we can understand it. It's, it's, it's anger. Paul says in our old nature, because of sin, because, because things are now twisted inside of us, we have this tendency to, to, to experience and to express anger in ways that can be so damaging. And for some of us, we struggle so, so much with this. This is what the text says. In, in verse 26, Paul says, In your anger, do not sin, okay? Don't, don't sin when you get angry. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Put it off before then. Deal with it before then. And then even more clearly in Ephesians 4.31, five verses later, Paul comes back to it and he says, get rid of all bitterness, okay? That, that anger that just kind of seeps deep down inside and makes us bitter. Get rid of the bitterness, scrape it away, fight it away. The rage and the anger, the brawling, right? Anger expressed, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Paul says we've got to fight against that. Now, each of these has little different nuances, but we're going to kind of talk in general about them under that category of anger, and and recognize that part of what happens as we become new in Christ is we become people who take off anger. 
We become people who put it away, who, who get rid of it. But let's think about anger and, and, and what it is and, 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 and just start by recognizing that it is such a powerful emotion. For those of us who, who struggle with anger, for those of us who see it in action, it is so powerful, right? I mean, there's a super uh, character, right? Hulk, right? You don't like me when I'm angry because he, he gets angry and he turns green. And, gets, you know, I mean, it's just powerful and there's rage and it's just expressed and, it's, and, and, and anger can be that way. It is so powerful. And, and the fact is, we've all felt it. We, we've all felt anger. Sometimes just over little things in our homes. We come home and, and the milk is out on the counter. And, and we just think to ourselves, I've told the kids a hundred times. I've told the kids a hundred times when you take a glass, put it back in the fridge. And it's like the milk is going to get ruined. And we just start to get that. It's not right. I, I, I've, I've told them to do this. I've asked them to do this. They know they should do this. And they, or our sister borrows a favorite shirt without asking us. And it gets a spot on it. And it's ruined. We get angry. It's not fair. It, it's, it's not right. Or we get angry driving our cars. We're in a hurry. And the person in front of us, he's on his phone and he's writing a note and the light turns green and they don't move. And it's just like, come on, dude, I got to go someplace. I got to get there. And, and almost immediately, some of us, we're just so full of anger. Some of us have more, some of us left. But it's like, boom, we hit the horn. We're so angry. I can't imagine that somebody would do this, this great injustice of taking away two seconds of my life while they're not going as fast as they should. That might be overblown, but you can indeed be deeply, righteously angry at that person who when everybody is merging into the right lane and they decide they're going to go past everybody else, them you may be angry at because it's just, I get so ticked at people who do that. It's like you really think you're that much more important. The rest of us are all being nice. We've all gotten over. And there you go because you're so much more important than the rest of us. yeah. I mean, we've all felt it, right? It, it, it's that thing that, that God wired us up to. He, 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 God wired us to feel this, that when, when something is wrong, all right, when something is wrong, God wired us up to feel anger. He wired us up to feel something, to say, hey, this isn't right. This is unjust. This isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And, and anger, I think, was designed by God to give us the energy and the strength to confront injustice and, 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 and so on. And, and, and part of what we've got to recognize is that anger is not always wrong. It's not always wrong to get angry. The Bible makes clear in a number of times that God himself gets angry. God gets angry at sin. In the Old Testament, about 18 times, it talks about God's anger. And in the New Testament, in this letter, we read about God's wrath. God gets angry because he looks at, I mean, he gets angry about lying, not because it's naughty. God gets angry about lying because of what it does to me when I lie what it does to our community when we lie. God gets angry about stealing and trash-talking because it is destructive. And and so God gets angry. There is a righteous anger, and there are times when you and I ought to get angry. When when children are abused, we ought to get angry. When when people are oppressed, we ought to get angry. When people are are starving to death, we ought to get angry. It's not right. It's not fair. And and, and it doesn't mean we can always do so. But there is a righteous anger, okay? Okay? And the Bible makes it clear there is a place for us to be angry. But we've got to be honest and recognize that most of us miss that. Most of us don't get it right. Most of what the Bible says about anger and most of what we experience in our anger is, is not this, this really righteous thing, but something that is deeply dangerous and, and that is so 
damaging, that leads us to, to expressions of rage, to brawling, to slander, to yelling at our kids, to saying things to our spouses, to saying things to friends that are so damaging. The fact of the matter is, there is some righteous anger, but I want to suggest that most, if, I mean, it's, I, I'd go 90 plus percent, 90 plus percent of our anger is, is just wrong, okay? It, it, it's wrong. It, it's not aimed in the right place. Here, I want to just kind of think about that because I think there are three ways that our anger can go wrong. And, and I think understanding this will help us kind of in putting it off. And, and especially, again, for those of us who struggle with this one in particular, to, to get free from it, to experience some level of freedom from it. There are three ways that, that, that it can go wrong. One, one, we can get angry for the wrong reason. We take offense at something that's not offensive. We take offense at something that nobody intended. I mean, you said that about me? I can't believe I'm so offended that you would say that about me. And it's like, I wasn't talking about you. You used that term and I'm so offended. Now, I know there's something really good about our words are powerful. We've got to pay attention. But some of us get way offended by things that just we don't have any right to get offended Right? I mean, it, it, there's, there's nothing there, and yet we act as if the universe has dealt us this terrible blow. Now, sometimes there are unjust things there, but, but, but check yourself out. You know, I mean, so I'm, I'm mad at the kids because they left the milk out, and then Tammy comes in and says, oh, sorry, I left the milk out and puts it away. Oh. <laughs> Stephen Covey gives probably the classic example of this in my view. Talks about a time, true story, when he was riding into New York City on a subway. On a Sunday morning, he said the only time he likes to ride the subway is on Sunday morning because very few people are in it. it it's, it's quiet and so on. And he said there were about five of us just having a nice ride. A father and his three kids come on, and his kids are just out of control. They're loud. They're hitting each other. They're pushing each other. And the dad is sitting there doing nothing. And, and he said, you know, I, I, all of us are just getting frustrated. You know, come on, control your kids do something. You gotta, come on, it's quiet. You just make them sit down. Just do something. And, and, and finally, somebody gets angry and says, hey, buddy, come on, do something about your kids. And the dad responded and said, true, I'm sorry. We're just coming from the hospital. Their mom died. My wife died. I guess none of us know how to handle it. Guess what? They stopped being angry. <laughs> All of a sudden, they realized, and how much of my anger is not, I can't believe you did that, without understanding the situation the other person is in. And I have no reason, really, to be angry. If I had some level of understanding and compassion, we'll talk about that, it would be different. And so, sometimes it's the reason. We get angry, and there really isn't a reason to be angry. What we really need is understanding. Sometimes it's the wrong reason. Sometimes it's the wrong amount. A a child spills milk, and, and, and we act as if the universe is unfair. We scream as if we have never spilled anything. We scream as if the world is now ruined. I mean, it, it, it can be so, it, and, and it gets out of proportion. I, I had this just on, on Thursday. I was going to use uh, some, a sous vide thing. It's a really cool thing, but I couldn't find the cord. And I always put it in the box. And, and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. And I needed this because I needed to start cooking. I needed to do this. And so I'm like, it's not in the box. Why isn't it in the box? And, I'm, and, and I can just feel myself getting angry. I can just feel myself. And, 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 and Tammy sees it. And she's like, can't we just go buy another one? And I'm like, no, they're 200 bucks. And she's okay. Okay, we won't buy another one. And, and, and it was just out of proportion. 
and especially embarrassing when I realized I'd dropped the cord on the ground. And, and then I found it. And but sometimes, you know, guess what? There are a hundred different ways to cook the flank steak, okay? This was just one. It was not a big deal. We could have bought another thing. We could have done it on the grill. We could have done it in the oven. And, and yet I can just feel myself. And, and sometimes it's just the wrong amount. it's the wrong reason, it's the wrong amount, and sometimes it's the wrong response. What we do with it, when we experience it, when we feel it, uh, it, you know, even, it it, it, it just, well, there are two ways this one goes wrong. One is, uh, sometimes we just clam up. Okay, we're angry, and we just kind of say, no, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not angry, I'm not angry, I'm not, and we deny it, and we we just shove it down. We try to bottle it up. I think this is what Paul has in mind in Ephesians 4, where he, in, in verse 26, when he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, okay? Don't, don't just take that anger and, and, and just say, nope, it's not there. I'm just going to, and we do that, right? You know, I, I, she didn't do it, but she could have said, why are you so angry? If Tammy had said to me on Thursday, you know what I would have said? Completely inappropriately, but you know what I would have said? I'm not angry. And actually, I'm more angry now that you said I was angry, because I'm not angry. But I am more angry. I mean, right? I, 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 no, I'm not angry. And, and, and some of us do that, and we try to clam up. We try to, try to put it inside of ourselves. We try to just, and, it, and the problem with doing that, at least one of the problems with doing that is, is, is anger is when we try to bury it, when we don't acknowledge it and confess it and, and deal with it, when we try to just say it's not there, it becomes like toxic waste. And, and it, it turns into that bitterness. It turns into that ugliness. And it just causes damage. And at some point, it comes out. And, and so we become bitter people. We become angry people. So we, one of the ways that we go wrong is it clam up. And, and, and then the other is, is that we just blow up. And, and, and we just let it all hang out. We just let it just go. And that's, I think, again, where Paul says, you know, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of... We just let it go. And we yell at our three-year-old. Or some of us may hit a spouse. Or we threaten somebody at work. But we blow up. And it is so damaging. It is so dangerous. Anger is so powerful. The fact of the matter is, I mean, studies say that those who struggle with anger and who are often angry are five times more likely to have heart attacks. Physically, it just does something to us. And it is so powerful. And that's why Paul says, you know what, you got to take it off. Put it off. Get rid of that inappropriate anger. And it's so tough. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to read what pastors and, and Bible teachers say about, you know, Paul's call to put it off. Because he, in, in that verse 31, in, in the verse 26, he says, be angry but don't sin. Or in your anger do not sin. This, there's some room for anger. Verse 31, it's almost as if Paul says, you know what, it's so hard to handle it. Just get rid of it altogether. Just Get rid of it altogether. So put it off. How do we do that? How do we, how do we try to fight against that anger? How do we scrape it away? And, and, and I want to suggest four things here. And again, this is one for me that's personal because I, I mean, I just always have struggled with this. And so here are some of the strategies that I think the Bible points us to that I think we can use to, to fight against it. The first one is, is admitting it, confession. I mean, the Bible calls it, and, and just saying, you know what, I am angry. Admitting it to ourselves. Learn to see the signals. Again, I, I, I knew Thursday as I'm going through this, and I'm thinking, and, 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 and I was able to 
to a degree, better than perhaps in the past, to a degree, be able to say, okay, hold on, recognize this, Ron. This is out of proportion, okay? This is not a big deal. But I, first of all, had to admit it and just recognize, learn to see the signals. I mean, when you start to clench your fists, when you, your jaw gets tight, when you, you, you can just feel it and, and, and then be honest about it and, 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 and confess it and say, God, I'm angry right now. And, and then we'll talk about what to do with it. But, but I think it really, the, the, the Bible's called a confession to try to be honest about ourselves. We talked about it last week with lying, how hard it is to be honest about how often we lie. For some of us, how hard it is to be honest about how angry we can be. And just say, you know what, God, this is powerful stuff. And I don't want to damage my family. I don't want to damage my kids. I don't want to damage my friends. I don't want to damage the people around me. So God, help me deal with this. So we admit it. And then the, the next strategy in kind of coming out of it is minimizing damage. And, and I think that's where Paul in, in verse 26 says, in your anger, do not sin, okay? In, in your anger, don't sin. Paul knows that when we are angry, we're in a really vulnerable spot, all right? When we're angry, we are just ready to go off. And, 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 and so Paul says, make sure that if you are angry, that you just watch yourself and you check yourself. And, and, and sometimes that means counting to 10, right? Sometimes that means just removing yourself from a situation. You know, I, I mean, I'm saying, you know, honey, right now I need to take a walk around the block, because if I spoke right now, I would say things that you would never forget. And that's not good. I will have my mind back in place in, a, in, in 20 minutes. But just give me that time. Learn to do those things. Learn to, set, to take yourself out of that situation. To, to say, you know what, I'm really vulnerable. I, can, I could get, I mean, I, I, again, on, on Thursday as I'm looking for this court, I'm just trying to say to myself, Ron, don't, don't ruin the day. Don't, don't ruin the rest of the day. Because you can do that. You can do that if you blow up in that situation and you start to say, I can't believe you did this. So just minimize the damage. Count to 10. Thomas Jefferson says, when you're angry, count to 10. When you're really angry, count to 100. Mark Twain playing off that said, when you're angry, count to 10. When you're really angry, swear. Don't do what Mark Twain says. (laughs) But anyway, minimize the damage, all right? Recognize that when we are angry, when we feel that sense... Again, God gave us that sense to energize us, to seek justice, to try to set things right. But we end up using that in a selfish way to destroy others. The third thing is, and, and this can kind of be a psychobabble thing, but I think the Bible calls us to, but to evaluate. I, I think it's just saying, God, search my heart and show me. Do I have a reason to be angry? Is my amount right? And what am I doing with it? Again, it's really hard to do that because anger is so powerful. It just wants to feed on itself. It just wants to keep devouring. But to just pull back and say, you know what? Again, there are other ways to do this. There are other ways to get this done. It's, I, I don't need to, you know, and, and, and say, you know what? It's just spilled milk. It, it's just this. It's just that. And to try to get some perspective that can help us just to put it off, to say, you know what, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. So, so just kind of ask yourself to say, why am I so angry? Why am I? I, I, I was in a situation with some other pastors, and, and, and we were praying and, and reading Scripture, and, and I said, you know, guys, I need you to pray for me because every time you read Scripture, I was like, yeah, and those people at Hillside are screwing that up. And it's, I got an anger. I don't know why I'm angry at them, but I am today. And so I had a problem, but I like you again now. But, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just, I just thought, this is weird. 
Why? And I, and I tried to figure out why it was, and I thought, I'm not angry at them. I'm, but just to slow down. And then, and then probably the most important thing, I think, for me and, and for many of us, and, and clearly what I think the key is to all of these things, we've talked about it before, but remember the story. Remember who we are. And, and this is chapters 1 to 3 of Ephesians. That's why we, we, we should almost go back and preach that again after we do this stuff. But, but the story that I have as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is that I was dead in sin. And I, I, the, the Bible says, you know, we read that in, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, that I was completely dead in my sin. And so when my child spills milk, when somebody says something really wrong, it, it doesn't mean it's not wrong. It doesn't mean I don't necessarily confront it. But I do it differently with some humility. I do it with some compassion because I know I was dead in sin and I was saved by grace. It wasn't anything I did. Okay, I, I, I'm not in Christ because I have been smarter than you are and, and you know, I'm angry because you're not very smart. No, I, I, it's all by grace. And, and so when I remember that, again, I get humble and, and I feel compassion. And, and then remember that I'm held today. You know, that's part of my story. We, we just saying, oh, no, you never let go. And, and I want to suggest just try that. Maybe that song is one that sticks with you enough. Maybe there's another one. You know, it's, uh, great is thy faithfulness, strength for today, right? And, and, and just say, God, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I did a wedding um, Thursday and then another one yesterday. And one of the things I often say to couples is, look, I know you're worried about dresses and flowers and, and candles and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. You're going to win, okay? You are going to be married, I know that the flowers can all fall apart. It can all, but, but we can do this, okay? And, and, and just knowing that, you say, okay, all right, God holds us, okay? And if I can keep that in mind, that I am held by God, that I, my life is in his hands, I don't have to say, oh my goodness, the world is falling apart. Oh my goodness, this person offended me. No, I'm safe in Christ. I'm held today. He's never going to let go. And just, again, let that song, just try to just sing it to yourself. Say, God, remind me that you're never going to let me go. Right now I'm feeling a lot of, like my world is falling apart, all right? So hell today and then heaven one day, all right? Uh, someday it's all going to be right. Now, again, I, I can still say, you know what? I want my kids to put the milk in the fridge. And I can still say, I want to fight against world hunger. And I can do that with passion, but I do it knowing that I'm held, that I have failed, but that someday all things will be made new, and God will do that. So take off anger. Don't worry, that was by far the longest part. What do we put on? Two things. Kindness and compassion is the first thing we put on. I'm going to do those together because I think they're tied in together. Look at what Paul says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, <clears throat> Excuse me, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Instead of brawling and slander, instead of attacking, instead of being so angry with each other, be kind and compassionate with each other. And I think compassion comes first. Compassion is that amazing ability that God has given us to feel somebody else's pain, to put ourselves in his or her shoes. And one of the ways, you know, again, to, to deal with my anger is to say, you know what, I have put other stuff away wrong myself. When I was thinking about the cord thing, again, I just kind of had to say, how many times have I done this if somebody else did it? And how likely is it that I did it? And, 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 and so when I say, look, I know what it's like to struggle. You know what, I've been 
angry. I've been in a hurry. I've passed people um, and repented of it immediately. But, you know, when everybody else is in the, you know, but I've done things where I've put myself first. I've been selfish. And, and so, again, it doesn't make it, but I, I feel that compassion. I start to look at them not as somebody who I need to attack and destroy, but as somebody who might need some help. And that leads to kindness, Right? Kindness is, is that desire to put the other for, person first, is that desire to care for somebody else and, and, and to serve that person. And Paul says in the Christian community, and as we deal with our neighbors and non-Christians around us, instead of anger, he says, put on compassion and kindness. Put on a gentle spirit with each other. Again, we still, we still experience that sense of injustice, but we deal with it by by confrontation with humility and kindness and compassion if indeed we need to have any confrontation at all but it's compassion it's it's kindness and compassion and then the other way we deal with it is forgiveness it's forgiveness it's it's letting go not getting even it's it's caring for and and when somebody has indeed hurt us again we we can say well i'm not going to get back i'm not supposed to be angry no the fact is get angry Admit the hurt and then forgive the person. Okay? Forgive them. The, the, the Christian life is not one of denying anger. It's experiencing it and saying, you know what? That wasn't very fair. That's not, that's not what you're supposed to do. That wasn't right. But I forgive you. All right? Because I needed forgiveness a lot. All right? So we take off anger. We put on kindness and compassion. Two reasons why. First, and, and this is, I think, really important for us as a church to think about, Paul says anger gives the devil a foothold. Going back again to verse 26 and 27. In your anger, Paul says, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Again, when we are angry, it opens up a place for so much damage to be done. And, and our enemy loves it so much. Because in our anger, we can hurt each other so bad. In our anger, we can separate. In our anger, we can do so much damage. And, and the devil just kind of loves that opportunity. And it gives the devil an opening, a foothold, a place into our lives. And, and when I nurture my anger, when I hold on to it, when I clam it up, or when I express it and I explode, it's like I'm just opening something up. And it's going to cause so much more damage. And so getting rid of it. Again, think about just the stat of of people being five times more likely to have a heart attack if we carry around anger. I mean, it's just to say, God, I want to deal with this because I want to experience peace in my heart. I want to experience comfort and and grace. And and I don't want to give the devil a foothold. And, and, And so anger does that. So that's why we try to fight against it. And, and the other reason is we, we forgive, really, and, and, and don't hold on to our anger and act on our anger because God forgave us, right? Back to verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, that's, that's remembering the story. When I remember the story that I'm a sinner saved by grace, held by God today, heaven one day, then, then I can start to say, okay, I, I can forgive others. Because I have received that grace, and, and I have experienced forgiveness. And so rather than just saying, this is, I forgive people, and I experience peace, and they experience a touch of God's grace. Now again, forgiveness is not easy. We could talk for the next four weeks about how do we forgive. I, I'm not going to do that right now, but, but it's, it's not easy. But to work at it, say, God, help me. Help me to forgive others. Help me to let go, all right? So that's what, what we take off. We take off anger. We put on kindness and compassion and, and, and forgiveness. 
and, and we do it because we don't want to give the devil a foothold and, and God forgave us. Paul wraps it all up again in, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. He says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. Again, the Christian walk, it's a way of love. Getting rid of anger is about learning to love more, okay? It's about relationships. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be like Jesus. And, 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 and so we do that, and we work on it. As I was thinking about this, and, and you know, it's lying and stealing and trash-talking and anger, and I think about those four things, and how difficult it is to get rid of them. And, and, and so as we close, just let me close with these words, that, that we can't do this. I, I'm really convinced of it. That's why, again, we, we don't do this, we don't start with chapter 4. God can, and God will. It's God who changes our hearts. It's God who makes us new. And, and, and so as I think about tonight and gathering together and just praising God, what we're going to do is we're going to remember the story. We're going to remember who we are. We're going to praise God. And then we're going to close with communion. And, and what we're going to say there is, God, do in us what we can't do ourselves. You are the one who can change our heart. God, you're the one who can help me overcome this anger. You are the one who can help me overcome my trash talking. You are the one who can help me overcome my lying. God, change my heart. And he loves to do that. And so by God's grace, we won't all have these things scraped off next week, but by God's grace, we can learn to be a little better and experience a bit more freedom, and someday we will be made new. Let's pray together. Father, this is such a powerful force, anger. There is so much anger in our world. I mean, we see people cutting off other people's heads. We see people honking horns and yelling and screaming and being offended. God, help us to experience such freedom and peace in Christ that we can take off the old and put on the new. Father, we can't do that. We are not by nature kind and compassionate. We are not by nature forgivers. So, Father, do in us what we cannot do in ourselves and make our hearts new. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.